Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today from conjunkies.com, we have Chris Thomas. Chris, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. We're going to have a good time today. Uh, first, in our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about military based uh, games. It doesn't yeah. have to be video games, it can be any kind of game, really. Just war games. I think of Risk. The old thing that comes to mind. The war game. <laughs> the right? war okay. game, right? But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to do that. Some Hell interesting yeah. topics there. Then in the uh, comic vault, what do we have? I've got something. I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is the best comic title I think I've ever run into. This one is called Kill Six Billion Demons. <laughs> Pretty self. Yeah, I mean, it says what you're going to see. Right? And I tell you what, it, it delivers it on better that in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Jack, what about you? I've got one with an even better title. It is called Gray. Not convinced. No, I like no. Jake's about like the six billion demons. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. <laughs> a few of the titles we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Chris and uh, talk more about conjunkies.com, a cool little website. Uh, Indeed. Yeah, I wasn't aware One of One I could have used way back in the day. Yeah, right? No yeah. shit, right? Exactly. But um, before we do that, uh, before I hand it over to Jake, I just wanted to address uh, one thing really quick. You know, it, it always seems to happen on Mondays, right before we're <laughs> yeah. going to record. Something pivotal happens that we want to address. And Stanley this morning just passed away. And I have all day been in debate whether or not we should just scrap today's episode and just talk about Stan or if we should wait till next week and, um, I don't know, do something more grandioso, dedicate the whole episode to it, you know, get some content together, make it a, a, a tribute that the man deserves. I mean, we really wouldn't be sitting here doing what we're doing if not for the man. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I just wanted to say that that way people don't think we're being insensitive one. Cause it's definitely on our minds and it's definitely heavy right now. You just don't want to half-ass it. I don't want to half-ass it. I want it to be good. And, uh, I hope it is, but, I think uh, it will be. yeah. And, uh, Chris will be returning next week to be joining us for that episode. So I'm excited to have him there and, uh, yeah, it'll be a good, good episode, but, until then, Jake, social media, where can people find us? I'll tell you where they can find us, Jeremy. They can find us on Facebook and Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. There you can find, like, retweet all of our things. Please do. I'll be making them extra entertaining and bizarre uh, just for you, our dear listeners. And if you really like what we do, we are on Patreon. And it's a huge deal to us because we make this show free, but it is not free to make. So... If this show means anything to you or we've made you smile, even just a touch, a dollar a month is way more than you think it is. And if you hit that $5 threshold, you have access to the Founders Club Patreon exclusive podcast, which we all really enjoy making and people seem to enjoy listening to. That's the truth. And we have our new series out there, people. What If has launched and it is now uh, successfully on iTunes. Yeah. Searchable on iTunes as the last, uh, as of the last 24 hours, I believe. Something like we that. We told you. We told you it was happening. It happened. <laughs> and it happened. It's, it's there now. now. 
the the future is nigh. That's right. So uh, go check it out on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, just find us on your podcast players. Yeah. I imagine we're trickling out to more of them by now. Since it, it'll iTunes. take a minute or two, but yeah, yeah. now it's yeah, but now it's getting there. And it's, I've been getting a lot of good uh, feedback from it. So yeah, uh, yeah. check it out. Um, let us know what you think. We're stoked. Let's kick it off with this week's retro roundtable. <laughs> military-based war games, gentlemen. Where do we begin? Man, this is this is a subject close to my heart, because mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember, I've been stuck on this type of thing. War games, books about war, shows about it, and especially later in my life, it's become this kind of moralistic dilemma, where I find myself like, oh yeah, this is awesome, and like, wow, the reality of this is so horrid, and I'm, I'm having trouble reconciling that, but I take a little bit of comfort knowing that I'm not the only one, you know? Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> war games have always kind of been unsettling in that way with yeah. me. You know, not so much like the Call of Duty where you just run around just sure, shooting just people nonsense. in the face for fun, you know, but where you're actually reenacting real right. battles that have happened and, you know, uh, you're playing peop- actual people who have lost their lives and stuff. And I... Part of me is like, man, that's kind of in bad taste. But the other half's like, it's kind of important to know what these right. people and sacrificed. If and, for whatever uh, reason video games are the only lens by which the public is going to learn of this, then I guess that's what it has to be. I mean, it's done in movie form. And, yeah. you know, most recently, I think of uh, uh, Battlefield, the recent oh, Battlefield game that came yeah. out that was set in the First World War. Oh, oh. Battlefield 1? Yeah. yeah. And my first thought was like, Oh, right, that war, the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity, that one, you know? And I think maybe just because we're so desensitized to the Second World War as a setting for video games, we're just like, oh, yeah, Europe, America versus the Nazis, Pacific Theater, whatever. It's standard. You play Axis and Allies with your uncle during Thanksgiving. Who cares? Something about World War I, I don't know. It's just even when I started playing that game and kind of got used to it, it was too dark. It's, yeah, The subject matter was just... But what I learned game. a lot playing that great. game. I'm sorry. I thought it was just. A, I learned a lot playing that game. I thought it was just against Japan, but there's a lot more going on with that whole war than I ever knew. Well, yeah, Japan was on yeah. our side for the First World War, even though I don't think they ever had boots on the ground anywhere in Europe. Hmm. Do you think it, uh, you know, lends any um, respect to the soldiers for people who've never served? You know. I think they did a really fun... I, I think, first off, they knew most people don't know a hell of a lot about the First World War. Sure. The only reason I did is because, like, my dad got me stuck on this podcast where they go into detail about every aspect of it. And I was hooked on that for, like, three weeks. So I came into it already arrogant, you know, just like, oh, yes, World War One, my <laughs> forte, you know. And, <laughs> but most people, it's, it's too far back. Right. You know, maybe <clears throat> if you live in the UK or in France where those wounds are still fresh-ish. I mean, a hundred years isn't long in Europe. In America, that's an eternity. We can't even imagine. But Even technologically-wise, like yeah. the, the changes that happened since then, it almost yeah, it can't seem real. It, it seems like some bizarre fantasy. And I think in the game, they did a good job of adding little snippets of history. And I do remember, I think, their crowning achievement in this game was there was an intro sequence, sort of their like war stories, campaign-esque kind of thing, 
where it's a, a cinematic going through all these different dates and times and people and places, you know, Lawrence of Arabia and the Harlem Hellfighters and all this stuff. And I think it was pulled off very respectfully. I think they did an amazing job introducing this in a serious kind of mournful way. And that lent it a lot of emotional weight. So I think they knocked that right out of the park. And as I recall, there's like a tutorial mission where it says right off the front, um, this is frontline combat. You are not expected to survive. And over the course of being a few different people, and of course being killed by the overwhelming enemy forces, uh, it just talks about that particular division and what they did and how they got through and how many came home. And and I thought they handled that in a really solid way. So I, I don't know. Hats off to them for tackling a subject like that. Did it need to be tackled? Man, I don't know. That's a prickly question. But the mm-hmm. fact that they did it as well as they did, I think that deserves some recognition. Right. Was done with respect. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Chris, what do you got for us? So um, I'm terrible at first-person shooters. Um, that <laughs> uh, I just, you know, since probably the original Halo is the, the last time I really got into a first-person shooter, I'm going to go back a little bit to uh, the 1942 video game series. Good call. The, uh, the vertical scrolling uh, plane shoot 'em up You'd get those power-ups and shoot the triples and doubles and the splits and all that. Kind of a, what is it, bullet hell, they call it, where you've just got so much ordinance coming your way. That start yeah. dodging all over the place. Yeah. There's no way Yeah, and they way start coming can... in in waves and moving certain patterns, and you got to dodge them. And... I don't recall this game. I'm going to look it up as we're talking about it here. And you had the loop-de-loop button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were different iterations. So this was like a vertical scroller. And then I remember on the Genesis, there was, um, I don't know if it was the same company that made it, but it was called Airbuster. But you moved sideways and it was kind of the same premise. You move around, you dodge stuff, you get power ups. You know, this does look familiar. I'm looking at shots on uh, Google Images and it does look familiar. I think I have. They're always in the arcades. Yeah, Yeah, it's that's like a staple, like that style of game. Maybe like. Galaxian or Galaga being kind of the pioneers of that style, and then it got a lot less stationary and a lot more crazy shit coming at you from every angle. Yeah, and it was stressful because you, you'd see these <laughs> yeah. things coming at you and you couldn't avoid them sometimes. Yeah, that, that was an exercise in stress management, I think. A lot of <laughs> spikes in blood pressure at an early age. There's a game that this is making me think of that I used to love. I think it was called F. 52 or something like that 57 it was it was a jet number you were you were a fighter jet they were sent on these special missions and boy that was such a fun freaking game like sitting in the cockpit uh maybe you could uh switch your views on that but uh third or like just outside the plane it was so fun they tried to make it as realistic as possible i mean aside from actually like doing one of those flight Uh, simulators i bought one of those once because i was like my this would be so much fun I could not get that plane anywhere but in the harbor. Like, it just kept driving <laughs> it straight off the edge. It's brutal. It's, it is do you hard. know how to fly a plane? Oh, okay, then you can play. Like, it's it's yeah. so one for one. I, I was always good for a good uh, simulator flight sim, but, yeah, flying or taking off was probably the easiest part, but landing, get out of here. Yeah. Even there the, was one the in the dog uh, fighting, too, it was always hard. There was one in Microsoft Excel back in the day, right? Like, they hid a, a flight simulator in there. Oh, wow, really? I didn't realize sure. that. They used to do shit like that all the time. I, I think it was the 90s. It had to be the 90s because it, uh, it was pretty basic from what I remember. But there was some kind of way to unlock it in there. And um, I, I don't remember how much you could actually do, but uh, I think you could at least take off and land a plane. Hmm. 
Hmm. No, it was just I loved how detailed. I think that's what made me want to try it was how detailed, yeah. like because it was real locations. You could choose real existing airports and try to land there, you know. And uh, well, it didn't do me any good since <laughs> I couldn't take more, off. Yeah. So I don't that's see how they get you with the real locations. <laughs> yeah. You can go over here for real. Oh, I could go there. I'll play it. Yeah. This game sucks. I don't want to be here. <laughs> You're now in Oakland. Yeah, oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Truly, this is the future. One of my favorite military-based games. Age of Empires 2. Oh, dude. The game of games. <laughs> Any fans here other than Jake? Oh, I am. I played it, but I never really got into it. I, I almost downloaded it the other day just for... I've Download bought that game sake, more I than I've bought any game, <laughs> yeah. I think. But I think uh, it's probably the closest thing to religion that I had when I was younger. <laughs> they redid it. They did redid the graphics. Yeah, yeah, the HD yeah. remaster. Mm-hmm. And then released it with the third one. And after playing the third one, I still preferred the second. The second one is where they really knocked out of part. I think they uh, they went, they like, maybe I just didn't do something right, but they downsized the scale of the maps in the third one. It seemed oh, like you were like sucks. always like right across the street from your enemy. I'm that's like, no, what's the point? I like the That's for like competitive play. play where they are. Yeah, I, I love that mystery and then having yeah. to like get your soldiers like They're hiking scouting. miles There's, to get yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, fun. Clear your way through a forest to sneak in from the side. As much as I played that game, never got good at it. Oh no, I always sucked. Way always too nuanced. sucked. Yeah, it was overwhelming. Like, what do I research? Who do I build? I tell you what, though, I, I'm sure you. I'm going to speak for the both of us, if you don't mind. If you sit and concentrate really hard, you can remember the sound almost any unit makes when it's finished being built at whatever building. Right, the little infantry yes. man. Yes. Yes. Uh, so good. Oh, like, you know, yes. just, I don't even know how to imitate it, but it's, oh, it's burr, burr, burr. yeah, like yeah. Somebody would attack. So fucking good. Oh, I love that game, and I love the. I remember the intro cinematic was always really cool. Yeah, because it was pretty brutal. It was. Yeah, yeah. And, that was such a good game. They're like playing chess, and it like cuts to the well, battle. Was it the expansion then that brought in what? Well, not only the Persians, you had the great big freaking elephants. Dude, you could like charge those uh, walls with. But yeah, you, there were there was also. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but one of them had uh, gunpowder. They discovered gunpowder. The Spanish. Spanish. They had mounted conquistadors. Yeah. They were just fucking brutal. So people were coming out with bows and arrows, and you're just like, done. You're dead. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. (laughs) Great games. games. Spanish. Mm, All right, Jack, what do you got? A game called Full Spectrum Warrior that was on Xbox. I remember that. Back in, like, 2001 I think it was you remember uh, Republic Commandos yes almost the same game you had four like you were the the squad leader and you had to set your you know three other teammates along with you in certain areas and position and then you can go out and do whatever but it was all like desert storm out in the desert real like real present time I guess but the game was so cool the only bad part was when it was over. I, I didn't know I was at that last boss. It just kind of ended, and I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes they don't give you the nice dramatic finish you're after. Yeah. Usually you have to pay extra. I mean, it was a firefight. Yeah, and it was, I think it was like a big tank that was against me, so I, once I blew that up, I mean, I guess that was it. America won. Yeah. Wow, freedom. Yeah. We destabilized <laughs> their government, took their resources, and now it's a democracy. 
But it was but, an awesome game. Yeah, I remember fun. playing that. I remember that you couldn't, um, you couldn't complete a mission if you left a wounded man behind. Yeah. And on the one side, I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. You know, you, they're not just expendable soldiers. They want you to feel for these 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 men. And on the other hand, I was thinking, God, if only it could really be that way, right? That no injury wasn't like insurmountable. It it just it just seemed too idealistic and hopeful. I don't know. It was weird. I went through kind of an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. on that whole thought. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, you know, the fun of the game collides with the shittiness of war, and I don't know what to feel. Yeah. No, I get it. And sure. I think very much along those lines. I played a game called Company of Heroes. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Is that a Battlefield? It's a um, Battlefield game. I'm it, thinking Bad Company. Oh, That's no, what I'm thinking no. of, yeah. <laughs> it's not Bad Company. It's an RTS, like Age of Empires, but set in World War II. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, like, graphically very interesting, intricate, and... Really gorgeous game, uh, even for the time, and uh, very tactically intricate and brutal. And I remember it was a lot of fun because I love that style of game, the RTS, where you build up your base and send out your forces. There's something very Mm. satisfying in that for me. But something this game had that I don't see in a lot of games, say if someone, if you lose a soldier in Age of Empires, what, they drop, they're bloody on the ground for a half a second, then it's a skeleton, Right. right? There's not much to it or... Even like Command and Conquer, they disappear so fast. In this one, you'd lose soldiers from a a company or whatever, and they wouldn't just stop and drop. You'd see them writhing around or trying to crawl to safety, and if you zoomed in far enough, you could hear them screaming or calling out for help, even though they were beyond help. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, that's an incredible (laughs) little bit of realism, but fuck, it doesn't make me want to play this game, (laughs) you know? It makes me feel like an asshole for trivializing the reality of what it must have been like. It's a great game, but it's too heavy. I get it. I get it. You think you control A to bring everyone back to your base, and you just hear one guy screaming still, and yeah. you're trying to figure out where he's at. Oh, sweet. We just left him behind, so that's cool. We've got, I've got to live with that now. <laughs> oh, well, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, awesome game, you know. Hmm. And it, it always feels good. It sounds fun. Anytime you can fight Nazis, right? Right. Because then you can be sure you're doing the right thing. <laughs> like I it's thought of you only... the other day. Isn't there some new Nazi war movie coming out with zombies? Overlord. Overlord, yeah. yeah. I am foaming at the mouth I to figured. See that. I figured. <laughs> that is my jam. <laughs> I am all about that shit. Uh, it is your jam. Indeed. Chris, uh, do you have any other uh, uh, games to mention? It's it's not a military game, but it's uh you know it's got war in the name war the card game, <laughs> hey, oh, wow. the most brutal of conflicts. I, yes. I probably haven't played it since I was twelve, but uh, man, I, I used to love the hell out of that. Play it. Uh, it's just it's, uh, high scream. card wins. That's it. Just you just throw cards down and you high flip one a card wins. and high card wins, and then uh, if you if you throw down a a match, you have to throw three cards and then flip one, and the winner gets all the cards. Mm. It was terrible. You ever have a winning game to where uh, you totally Sometimes won? it take a while. And usually yeah. you just get frustrated and quit, but... That sounds like poker. More of that, or like the Monopoly <laughs> effect. Where... That was like, you know, I'm uh, probably dating myself. It was pre, you know, Nintendo in every house days. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm... It's amazing what you may do with. Yeah. For the advent of technology. Yeah. That's what we did on holiday holidays when the family came over back before Nintendo and all that. The whole family would sit and play war? Well, the cousins. 
Oh, there were yeah, no survivors. Just the kids. <laughs> the parents all sat in the kitchen and yapped, but the kids had left to do nothing. Uno. That's where it's at. Uno. Uno. That's the card game. That's a game that destroys <laughs> friendships. It really is. Yeah. I played a, uh, a modified version of Uno when I was in Reno visiting some old friends of mine where they had... Uh, they had crudely, in like black sharpie, scrawled over a few cards to give them different effects. Uh, one of which you pick up every card in the discard pile. Shit. They called it the nuke. And you know it's funny because you hear about that and you think like, how could you possibly win a game? But there was a weird sort of flow to how it no. got passed around to the point where it would happen. And you'd be like, okay, all right, fine. How do I get the other motherfucker to get this next time? You know, and it was so much weird shit. I think they broke the game so much it ended up balancing itself. I took yeah. us on a tangent there, but Uno, good game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying. Well, I'm I was gonna like start digging into the logistics of this game, but we'll save that for another time. Yeah, that could be its own thing. <laughs> um, Chris had already kind of mentioned Halo, but that's yeah. one I've got to touch on because that's one that rocked my world. That yeah, first and, Halo. and the first one they were really banking on that like combat evolved. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to. I mean, it, it seemed like they were leaning into the, like this is war in the future, you know. So it's got that military so feel. Yeah. So later good. on, yeah. I have never played a game as many times as I've played that one through. Over and over and over. I mean, I knew where every bad guy was something going to be. Special like, about yeah. It. yeah, such a good game. So much. And there was some something about the warthog too. Like well, once oh, you got oh, to that part, man. Yeah, especially when uh, those early days when it couldn't be destroyed. It just <laughs> yeah. just launching the fuck all over. <laughs> yeah, good when, times. when you could blow them up later, it kind of became less. That was the fun, whole game, right? They never so stopped far. feeling good to drive. Like, yeah, the driving of them was just amazing. Um, they were so smooth. Can we get a quick shout out to the suspension on a warthog? There's a marvel of technology. (laughs) Isn't it, though? You slam those things into so many obstacles, and boy, it just keeps right on track. Mm -hmm. Just hated being the guy on the gun in the back while someone was driving around, because you weren't (laughs) going to hit anything, really. Impossible to aim. You just didn't play enough. Or worse yet, the guy in the passenger <laughs> seat who can't contribute but just lends an extra point to the guy who blows you up the You the guy with the rocket in the passenger yeah, seat. Ideally, but... If anyone gets too close, he's the guy you rely on. He's the That's the seat you point at the bad guy. Mm, God, those games were fun. I used to, I used to get in uh, tournaments, uh, not only with friends, but like at uh, EB Games. Oh, I never had the guts. I just happened to be there one night when they were doing <laughs> like, hey, it. I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. Let's do this. Yeah. And I ended up getting second place. Oh, shit. Uh, both, oh. both times. And both times was beat out by the same guy. Oh, he became like my nemesis. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the motherfucker. He taught me, though, chuck grenades all the time. Because oh, that's all he would do. You'd yeah. just be standing there and grenades would be raining on you. Like, <laughs> fuck. Where's he getting them all? <laughs> And that that was pre-online gaming, but you could hook up multiple Xboxes and play multiplayer. I I was in college at the time, and you'd get, like, Halo parties where people would just bring all the Xbox over and, you know, bringing heavy-ass TVs in the room and trying to set this up. Those were the glory days. We not uh, only—I had a buddy that uh, lived—I don't know. Not that it matters. He lived a while, a bit of ways. But he would have these big parties. He had this barn where he modded these two rooms— to be really nice, either air conditioned and heated, and uh, had big uh, routers in them, so you could fill you know each of these rooms with six people. Everyone would bring their Xbox, Shit. hook up, and we'd have these 
amazing land parties. It would last into the night. Damn. But um, another one of my buddies that I used to play Halo with, like, daily, quite literally daily, his dad hated me, (laughs) (laughs) was... um, uh, we he was he found a way that we were able to hook the original Xbox into his computer and hook it up to something called Xbox Connect and we were able to play with people all over the world. Oh, yeah, I had something that kind of tricked it to thinking it was online or in a LAN party or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And you just you there were these just pages <clears throat> upon pages of different lobbies you just have to look through for people <laughs> waiting for a game and then Pop in, and then before they automated that whole system, yeah. And then on your TV, that you'd see them pop in. It was, uh, it was fun. It was cool. We got a lot better doing it that way. Shit, yeah. But we, I remember one time. I think we even have this on tape. Like we were obsessed. We we VHS tape, mind you. (laughs) We recorded these things. Mom, get the camera. (laughs) There was one. (laughs) There was uh, two of us against two on four. Capture the flag, and we decimated them decimated them because we were that learned oh yeah everybody's got a story like that for halo oh my god yeah it's just me and my cousin we were alone everyone else dropped out (laughs) (laughs) two on six all i had was my knife they had numbers but there were more of them to kill (laughs) pretty much yeah pretty much jack what about you one more can't get away with rts games for military ever and it doesn't mean that they're just straight up military, but like StarCraft, uh, Dune was an oh, RTS oh, yeah, game. So much fucking Dune. That and the command, all the Command and Conquers, they're all the same, but at the same time, they're all just a little bit different. Yeah. Like just different can, flavors of the same candy. You know what to expect. Pretty much. They're like, oh, this one's raspberry. Yeah. Ultimately, it's just sugar. <laughs> I've never really been good at them. I just don't know. I can't figure out the hotkeys, how people oh, can memorize so all that the crap. Thing. There's a huge divide between how much. I loved and played those games and how good I actually was at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I find later on playing against actual people, I'm like, what? That's stupid. Why would they just I... get tanks and rush <clears throat> me? Fight? That's not fun. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. how you win. I honestly think that was my handicap in Age of Empires was that I just single click mouse everything. And yeah. Had I known yeah. all my hotkeys, I could have been a lot quicker to build my army by the time the Persians were attacking. Right. You, <laughs> you know? got to bump up those actions <laughs> per minute, bro. <laughs> Oh, I just could not do it. Like, as the years I played that game, I never came out of easy mode. Hmm. Never. And I got, every time I did, I got my ass kicked. Yeah, you get too stuck building, like, these Baroque fortifications. Like, yes, my walls are impregnable. And then it takes one trebuchet and 300 cavaliers come in. You're like, you know what? Fuck I this. loved to play on the map called Black Forest because oh, there were so many so wooded areas that you could just put yeah. a few little, like, heavy fortified walls up and be good. That's it. You're done. And then there's other maps where you're just, like, out in the desert and you have to <laughs> fortify, you know, you don't know where they're coming from. 360 degrees around you. Oh, my God. I remember joining a lobby for Age of Empires 2 where I was so far behind everyone else, some horrific invasion force, some enemy player who was just sweeping my team, made his way into my tiny little settlement and then just fucking left. Like, he didn't even stop to attack anything. He was like, this is not worth my time. <laughs> like, he just turned a different direction and then swept some other dude away. I was like, oh, I need to go. I got one super quick one if we got the time. Super quick When one. I was pay- playing this heavily, me and my buddy Andrew were like, let's have a one-on-one. We've been fighting randos for like eight hours. Let's see who's the best. 
we picked a map with this gigantic frozen lake in the center, mm -hmm. heavy woods on either side of it. So it would take a long time to deforest the place and get to each other. And he assumed, because you couldn't build on them, you couldn't send units over the lakes. I learned kind of by accident that anyone can cross the ice, just can't build on it. So I waited for him to fortify every single edge. And then I sent an army of catapults straight up the center <laughs> and destroyed it from the inside out. And he never let me live it down. Wow. It was a beautiful moment that I'll treasure forever. Age of Empires. Game of Friendships. Let's go play right now. Dude, seriously. <laughs> if I had it, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have it? I thought you had it. Uh, not on my Mac, no. Ah. Maybe. I think I had it on Steam at one point. I, I could probably dig it up, find it. but Be an ordeal. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, T-shirts, people. We have T-shirts. We got crap with the Candare logo on it. These commercials are... Like beating a dead horse. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Society6.com forward slash Pod. That's where you can get merch that says, hey, you know what? I've listened I, to this podcast I by enjoy the name of Candare, and I enjoy it. I support them and their dreams. Mm -hmm. By wearing... I'm not shirt. embarrassed to show it. Yeah. Yeah. So what if I don't have a social life? I listen to Candare. <laughs> Society6.com forward slash Pod. Go get that merch. All right. Let's swing open the door to the comic vaults. Gentlemen, who would like to go first this week? I might go first this week, if that's all right. I think it's all right. All right, because I'd like to talk about Kill Six Billion Demons. Oh, God damn. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> what a fucking title. This one snuck up on me. Mm -hmm. I was trolling through this website I like to go to that just kind of collects funny pictures and gifts and shit. And the first chapter of this comic was just right there, free and open for the world to see. But Kill Six Billion Demons, in all caps, right up top. And I was like... Okay, you've got my attention. Mm -hmm. And it opens up with this woman and her boyfriend in some very awkward sexual encounter. She's nervous. He's too aggressive. It's obviously not going well. How that ties into what follows, I'm not totally sure yet because I'm pretty fresh into this comic. But they're interrupted by the presence of this giant, horrid, chitinous thing. It looks like a, a, a fat cockroach walking upright in a cloak <laughs> and a mask. And some crooked, jagged halo above its head. Some renegade angel or demon thing. The line is pretty blurry. That obviously interrupts their revelry and pushes its finger into the woman's forehead. He's got like a key made of light. He pushes in and there's this incredible scene where she's trisected. You can see her skin Dude. and then her bone. Then inside I'm looking at that like, now. Yeah, like her soul or her consciousness. It's been pierced by this thing and she's given a vision of hell and she's stuck there. And as she takes this all in, you become aware of what's happening to her, why, what she has to do now. And I tell you what, the the transition from that very first panel to the most recent one, which I kind of saw by accident, mm -hmm. you know, even though I'm not there yet in the story, she becomes a super badass. <laughs> like, I, there, the, there's a big transformation there. And the art style is so fucking solid. I've probably said this a million times on this show. Everyone's going to groan. I'm, I'm obsessed with the whole depiction of hell thing. Mm -hmm. I, I love knowing what different artists and, and, and games and movies and stuff, what their idea of the underworld is, you know, because I feel like that tells you a lot about a person, sure. like what they think the worst thing in the world is. And the thing that I loved most about this is in that vision of hell, I saw 
styles and depictions by other artists that I recognized. Like certain demons had a touch of like, oh, that's Wayne Barlow, Barlow's Inferno. Mm, it's like, okay. oh, that's straight out of Alighieri's Divine Comedy. And and the influences were clear, mm-hmm. but but like not. I don't want to suggest that these were like stolen styles or anything. You can just see the inspiration. Yeah, the inspirations were there. And God, it's so fucking cool. So I would encourage anyone to check out Kill Six Billion Demons. Really, you can just Google that phrase because it's, it's, it's only going to get you one thing. Uh, <laughs> but you can follow the artist on Twitter at Orbital. Oh, hang on. Let me make sure I don't drop. Uh, don't butcher this. I'm looking at the designs now of these demons, and they're awesome. Dude, they're so otherworldly and bizarre, and I love it. Okay, yeah. Orbital Dropkick, spelled just like it sounds. Uh, Check him out on Twitter. Check out the website. It's got entire books available for purchase from Amazon and such, which I would recommend just so you can keep that art closer to your face. It's awesome. Nice. Kill Six Billion Demons. KSBD. I will. Yeah, I do it. Start now. (laughs) Really, you need to start now. All right. Chris, would you like to go next? Yeah. Um, So I got uh, Farmhand um by rob guillory uh he was the artist on chew i don't know if you guys ever read that yeah from image so this is um his creator own thing he did after chew it's um written and drawn by him so you get the the sick rob guillory art with you know the hidden stuff the funny humorous little tidbits in every image but um it's kind of a little darker than chew um so basically the the head of the family Jed, he has this farm and somehow he grows body parts and you can just cut them off and sew them onto people and it, um, replaces their body parts. And, um, so Uh, yeah, so the, the first cover of the first, uh, issue is him outside with a watering can and there's like these green grotesque hands coming up out of the ground and (laughs) red veins as the roots going through the dirt. Um, so that right there sucked me in and, um, it's got a little bit of mystery. Like you don't know what he's got going on there, how his business works. There's like spies breaking onto his farm, trying to get his secrets. There's, uh, uh, a son who for some reason had a falling out with the father and left the family and now he's back and they're keeping secrets from him. I think it, in the one issue there was, um, one of the spies was a kid and, um, for whatever reason, like, oh, uh, he was missing an arm. So they like brainwashed him to go steal the technology and the, the head farmer cut off his arm and put a, a plant arm on him and twisted stuff. Um, great art, though. And I'm only two issues in, but I'm loving it so far. And it's only I think like issue six just came out. So Damn, it's a good I'm time sold. to jump. on. Yeah. Twisted stuff typically lands on our radar. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Cool. Yeah. And if you haven't read Chew, I mean, that the. It trailed off a little towards the end, but uh, it was like 60 issues of uh, awesome storytelling, great art. Um, one of my favorite books I've ever read. What more can you ask for? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I know that's uh, been talked about on the show several yeah. times, and I, I feel like mm-hmm. I've, I've got maybe something around here. I don't know. I'd have to look. That one's cool, too, because it's uh, the main character, if he eats a piece of bacon he knows the entire pig's life like the slaughter everything oh, that's and then right. you know he turns into a cannibal at certain points because he's got to solve cases jesus i'd go ahead and just <laughs> walk in front of a bus <laughs> I, that's too much too much for me all right uh jack do you want to go next yeah i'll go next mine's from the website called lazen.com l-e-z-h-i-n.com 
it's a Korean website. They got a bunch of a lot of anime type uh, comics on there. But the one I found was called Gray, and Gray is a superhero, a well loved superhero. So much, in fact, that the authorities pretty much let him solve cases and stuff without being, you know, the the, the vigilante stigma and arresting him for breaking the law, doing that kind of thing, just because he's a kind of a, a, a national treasure. Well, this one time, he there's a, a crime he's going to foil, and when he shows up, usually he's got this big poof of gray smokescreen. He comes, grabs a villain, I guess beats the piss out of him and kills him. So then the cops end up taking him into custody. And this detective, which absolutely hates this guy, the hero Gray, kind of like, you know, when stuff's so popular, kind of like Fortnite, that uh, you just hate it so much, even though I'm you might have played it one or two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of has that whole mentality against the hero Gray. He can't get away from it. He's on the news all the time. His kid comes up. He's got an action figure. All of a sudden, the kid wants to watch cartoons. It's cartoons come on. Oh, look who's on the cartoon. It's Gray. Then he gets a phone call from the, the station saying that they have him in custody, and Gray wants to talk to him. And he goes, starts talking to, to Gray in interrogation, and it almost seems like, this, from where I got in the book, it seems like the whole thing between heroes and villains is like uh, TV show wrestling. It's all scripted. <laughs> like when he slams, when he lets out the the smokescreen like him and the villain are actually like figuring out what's going to happen and stuff and it's it's real weird because well the villain's dead now so it was kind of interesting hmm it does sound interesting cool it was called gray yep g-r-a-y very good where'd you cool. find that again on uh let's in comics that's on at let's in comics underscore us on twitter couldn't find anything american for the artist and the writer very good. All right. Well, what I have this week is something I just picked up at on uh, Free Comic Book Day. But on the top, it says Halloween Comic Fest. So I don't know if this was supposed to be a Free Comic Day <laughs> book or not. Here is um, now. <clears throat> it is. It's uh, the number one of Star Wars Darth Maul. And, uh, you know, I had to kind of peek in on it, especially since it was free, because the Star Wars comics that Marvel's been doing have all been pretty solid. I haven't read them all, but everything I have read yeah. looks pretty darn good. And what this does is just gives a uh, a glimpse. I, again, I think this is the first issue of a, the collection, which is uh, currently available, or was even available when I got this book. Just trying to hook you in, you know. Yeah. But uh, it starts with a bunch of hunters out hunting Rathars. Remember the uh, the big thing from The Force Awakens, the monsters that Chewie and Han were yeah, hauling? Yeah, those big squid-looking balls. Exactly. He's, uh, he's out hunting these things. These things are taking down these other hunters while Darth Maul waits in the wings. And he swoops out and just takes them out without any hesitation. He's done it so many times now, it's boring for Take him. Take more effort not to kill someone. He has a bloodlust that he cannot quench, Darth Maul. And, you know, he's been uh, killing big, fearsome creatures like this to try to sustain that, feed that hunger, but it's not cutting it anymore. What he wants is a Jedi. He wants to kill a Jedi more than anything. Don't we all? <laughs> and uh, he, uh, at one point, sees it too, and he stalks them to the point where they're like, you know, I sense an uneasiness, I sense a darkness, and just that in itself got him in trouble with Palpatine. He said, you've come too close to ruining my plans. You know, they're not to know we exist. Right. 
And, uh, you know, if you do this again, you don't have to worry about anyone else killing you other than me, pretty much. So uh, it cuts to then Palpatine sending him on a on a mission that one of the Trade Federation ships has been taken by pirates. And uh, so Maul gets there to rescue them from the pirates. He kills all the pirates. When he gets to the last one, he's like, hey, I've got some information for you you might find valuable. Uh, I heard that a Jedi Padawan has been taken, has been captured and is uh, like up for slave trade. (laughs) And so Maul kills him anyway, but finds this to be a very useful piece of information. And then uh, he goes on ahead to kill the Trade Federation people too. He's like, he just looks at him and says, oh, it's a shame the pirates killed everyone before I got here. (laughs) And just slaughters them. He's just hungry to kill. Because he's Darth Maul. Yes, and uh, it ends with him setting out to go see if he can find this Jedi Padawan. Just look, looks like he wants to kill it, for, kill him for sport. What a so. dick! What a dick indeed. So uh, yeah, I just thought I would read that, but yeah, good, a good read. I don't think I'll buy the whole book personally, but uh, I think a Darth Maul fan would find themselves right oh, yeah. at home. Anyway, with that behind us, let's turn our attention over to Chris and talk more about conjunkies.com. Chris, I want to thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. And yeah, we've had fun too. And I'm anxious to hear more about conjunkies.com. Can you tell the listeners about it in a nutshell? Yeah, so it's um, a comic book, um, not just comic book convention, but fandom convention. So pop culture, horror. Uh, we try and cover a little bit of everything. Um, we have a calendar where you can find events local to you. Um, we also do write-ups on tips for going to conventions. And um, just uh, some hoping to do more reviews and photo galleries. At every event I go to, I try and get photos and do a little review and post it up. But um, for now, it's mostly just the calendar and uh, looking to keep growing and expanding. This is a cool website. Yeah. It's something that um, I honestly find a very useful tool, especially when we're doing something like we're doing here. I'd like to, uh, you know, we've, we've always covered the Wizard Cons yeah, yeah. and uh, the Cincy Comic Expo here and there. But other than that, we really don't do a whole lot. And I think that's mainly because I'm not in the know. You know, I get online and I'll type, you know, Comic Conventions Ohio and maybe a few things comes up. But you're not, you don't have uh, quite the results I think you get. It's hard to Con keep Junkies. up with that com. shit, you know. Yeah. So it's very Especially useful. with the smaller ones. You know, mm-hmm. at least by me, I'm in New Jersey, and we have a couple guys who run a couple smaller shows that uh, almost every month they have something going on. And those are great for just going and buying books and things like that. Um, you know, they don't really do the big celebrities, but otherwise you don't really find out about that stuff. No, you don't. And it's a shame that so much flies under the radar. Mm-hmm. Probably help better shows than being crammed in like tuna fish because of the fan bases of six different people you don't care about right if you just want to have access to some cool underground comics or something like that you know you know and it's like that uh con that i went to uh just to meet kevin eastman uh, yeah not too long ago that's only on my radar because I was on Kevin's website and saw where he was going Just to be. by chance. Yeah. I, you know, this is a con that is what, a couple hours from us, much closer than Cincinnati or much closer than we've driven to go to a Cleveland con that I had never even heard of, never been on my radar. You know, the, with a website like this is something that will, can be on my radar now that I just punch in my location and tell me what's takes. in my area. That's, that's amazing. And... I don't know if there are many other, or if there are any other websites kind of devoted to that. Not that are I'm you aware, aware of, Chris? 
There, there are a few, but um, I'm trying to be a little different. Like, I don't want to just be a copycat. Most sure. of them just put, like, the event and the date and the location, and that's it. Where um, I have a writer who works for the site um, along with me who we try and give you some information about it. So you could come and find out what's going on here, see who's going to be at the show, and then find the link to click tickets. And it kind of gives you all the information. Because the other thing I find, too, is um, a lot of these smaller conventions, they don't have you know, knowledgeable webmasters running their websites. It's like, you know, dinky little websites with a little bit of information and mostly just a, usually just a photo and no text. Um, so it, it's good to get that out there and get that information out there. Um, especially like by me too, I, I go to horror conventions every year out here. We have a couple of decent ones that are awesome in New Jersey and even I forget about them every year. So um, being on the site helps me. Sure. And yeah. I'm sure these, smaller conventions appreciate that they've got someone out there who's able to spread the word a little you know yeah and we just launched something um so i had the site for a few years and i just kind of um half-assed it like i'd start working on it and then i stop i started stop so this last year i just uh completely rebuilt it tried to make it faster more useful and um one of the things we have now is um if you link to my site from your convention site, you get a featured listing. So you show up above all the other ones. Mm, cool. So um, that's working out well for some of the smaller conventions, getting them extra visibility too. kind of incentivize them to come yeah. forth. Yep. And you know, that's uh, another thing I, I just recently experienced is are just the, the sometimes the magic you find in these smaller cons. Yeah. You know, after going to the, the con uh, that I went to, it was in Canton. I think the hollow city, hall of Fame City Con, something like Hall that. Hall of Heroes or something like that? <laughs> no, I don't think it was Hall of Heroes, but something along those lines. Anyway, um, you know, when I walked in, I was like, oh my God, this is rinky dink. I don't <laughs> know about this, but ended up, you know, having a great time, an absolute great time. Very unexpected experience for me. And it's awesome to have something like this to shine a light on them. Yeah. Get yeah. And sometimes. And sometimes you find these things, too. Like in my case, my wife hates going to Comic-Con. She came to New York with me a couple times. Um, the crowds are too much for her. She came to a couple smaller conventions. She was okay with them. But the horror conventions out here, we've got Chiller and we've got um, Monster Mania. Mm. And um, she loves going to those. So, you know, it's it, it gives you something where you find something and, and maybe it's just that little bit different where you really fall in love with it. It's funny because uh, I had never been to a horror convention, and uh, I think it was just this last year that uh, Brooke, she was like, you know, there's a horror hound con's going to be in town. Yeah. Let's see if the show can get tickets or something. So yeah. I thought on a whim, let's let's try it, and we did. And boy, that was such a good time, and I yeah. would have never expected because I'm not an over over the top horror fan by any means. I don't really go out on yeah. my way to watch. And they're it, supposed. But- Horror Hound is supposed to be really good. One of my uh, friends, he writes for the magazine and he travels and works all their shows and uh, he loves them. Yeah, it was a great time and much more uh, intimate experience than you get from like a wizard or anything. There's something about people who are big in the horror world. They seem very willing to interact with the fans. It's a very close community, I think, you know, and it's funny because. They idolize absolutely everybody in there. You know, how many people <laughs> yeah. have worn the Jason mask? You know, maybe right. two or three, but... Maybe yeah, I mean, that, it's awesome, too, because they'll do... Um, they'll get, like, three Michael Myers there, so you get a photo with a couple of them at a right. time. And then uh, I remember 
I think it was last year's uh, Monster Mania out here. They had Tara Reed, and she had to get taken out on a stretcher because she was like passed out. I don't know what was going on, but oh, you know, yeah. you, you get that kind of excitement too. Yeah, the, uh, that was I, I don't want to judge. That was an interview we did uh, was with Tara Reed when we went, and boy, she was not looking good. She was not <laughs> looking good, and I, I saw, hope she's all right. <laughs> well, I saw something on uh, the news. She was doing like an interview on TV, and like in the middle of a sentence, she was just talking like this, and then out, and you see, you know, like started just mumbling, like in on you know couldn't make out a word she was yeah, saying. That's scary, and uh, and that's like, I think that's what happened at this show too. The similar thing that she was talking to fans and just. Unraveled, uh, like unraveled. Drugs, damn. Yeah. I mean, it'll do it. It's got to be it, right? Yeah. I mean, it could be. At, at least with this show, um, that one has a, a good after-party scene, so it's possible that she was up a little too late having fun in the hotel. Um, that's what I hear happens a lot. Me being um, married with a child, I don't get to participate in that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they happen so late at night too. Those horror hound raves. Dude, nothing quite like it. Yeah. You know, and as as obsessed as I am with horror, I've only ever been to one horror convention. But it was a good time, I bet. Oh, yeah. It was a Texas Frightmare way back when I was yeah. living in Texas. Oh, and it was the best. We, uh, Elvira was there, I remember. Ooh, she yeah. drew a huge crowd. Yeah, I And bet. God damn if she doesn't look good. Yeah. She's she doesn't age. She's really holding it together. And, she um, does not age. Brad Dorif was there. Okay. And he's the fucking best. He was really cool to oh, everybody. I've, I've tried so many times to get him on the show. Dude, he's he's a nice guy, but motherfucker's busy, I guess. Oh, I, I bet, yeah. Autographed, signed, I guess, uh, Lord of the Rings poster that me and my roommates had. And he was very considerate. He did it down in the corner, left space for other cast members or something. He didn't just take a big sharp. Dorif did? Plop it down right in the middle. Yeah. Who was he in Lord he of the Rings? He was Wormtongue. Oh, Brother wow. Wormtongue, yeah. I don't know who that was. I, I didn't know that. Sneaky little evil advisor whispering dark secrets into the king. And he had like, oh. what, 10 minutes in the second movie? Yeah. I do remember him. No shit. I didn't yeah. realize oh, that He's was the him. best. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I love him. Yeah. He's awesome. As you can see by the Chucky well, doll standing seriously. here, adjacent <laughs> yeah. from us. But yeah, horror conventions. Good shit, man. Mm. It's just a good feeling in the air. Right. So, as far as uh, conjunkies.com and. Uh, future ideas or evolution of the website is anything planned for down the road or i mean are we looking at a finalized version of your guys's vision um absolutely not i mean i hope you know i get visitors and traffic and it makes me a little bit of money that i could just dump back into it because i'd like to have um like a celebrity tracker or guest tracker where you could kind of follow people or you could um rsvp and set up reminders and there's a lot to do with it but, um, you know, it's it's tough to do out of the box because nobody makes like a comic book convention website kit. You know, you got to kind of piecemeal stuff together and figure out what works and what doesn't. And and that's been a lot of my struggle. And, you know, I, I pay my writer out of my pocket. I'm not making any money right now, but I enjoy it. And um, hopefully it goes somewhere. Well, shit, dude, you're I doing a will. service. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. yeah. A very useful service. It's just, Indeed. Yeah. And I'm excited to use it again. Me too. I want to start branching out to other cons other than just the same ones we do all the time. <laughs> yeah. We try to post um, email contact on there if they make them readily available. So that should help you too if you do that. And I set up a page for your listeners um, at slash canned air with or without the dash conjunkies.com slash canned air. That'll get you the um, printable to do list that I made. 
So I'm like a, I'm not a digital to-do list kind of guy and I don't want to drain my phone battery. So um, (laughs) this kind of came out of like the shit I do. So like every year I go to New York Comic Con and I I typically, until I had my kid, I went every, all four days. And, um, you know, you got to plan your day out, especially an event like that. Like it's so big and there's so much going on. So I would make my own checklist and then, you know, it had different sections and I was like, shit, I should just make this for the website. So I got some tips on there. I got some uh, note sections. I've got the supplies checklist because, you know, you got to bring the shit you need. You don't want to buy stuff there. And, um, you know, it's a nice little printable. You put it on eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, fold it up and it fits in your pocket. And I got to tell you, when I was looking at that list, because, I mean, just talking about the way we are, some people might be like, well, that seems like no-brainer kind of stuff. It's really not. Yeah, it's a no-brainer until the day of when your brain is gone. (laughs) I was looking at my first few – I kept my first few conventions in mind when I was looking at that. And it said, like, for instance, bring a poster tube. Boy, how many posters did I get for free that were just gems that came home with big fucking kinks Uh, in them or little tears in the corner? And, boy, that would have been handy. Or even – Take some bags and boards. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's okay. Well, people say, well, you can get them there. But, yeah, you're paying, like, what I pay, like a dollar twenty-five per bag and board when shit. you can yeah. get them, uh, like, a nickel down the plate, <laughs> down the comic book store or whatever. I don't know. And, I, I found it very useful. Yeah. And if you're trying to do a lot in one day, it really does become a giant project. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it helps me. I, I mean, I go... I've been going to New York Comic Con since 2011, so you know I'm not a rookie by any sense. But I use my checklist every year because I don't want to be on the train and have that panic like, "Holy shit, did I bring my badge? Did I bring this?" And there's also there's nothing worse than you wait in line for somebody to get an autograph and you get up there and they got this dulled out sharpie that's barely writing. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to just have one in your backpack. That's another thing I was thinking that when I saw that on there, like come how prepared. true. And you know, not only like bring a black sharpie, but like one thing I've come to start doing is uh, like I'll bring a gold, a silver, and a black because you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, for the color of what they're signing. If you bring a black sharpie and whatever, whatever you're buying to sign is all black, that's you know not going to work. But again, very useful list, very useful website, and I uh, encourage people to check it out, conjunkies.com and you can find it on Twitter at the conjunkies. Anywhere else the we, people can uh, look you up? Uh, I'm on Facebook. I think it's just conjunkies, but I- I'm not great at social media. <laughs> <laughs> no biggie, no biggie. We'll, yeah. s- we'll still push people that way because uh, we got we got Jake and Jack on the uh, social media train for. Canada it's my job here. to be not great at social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't beat yourself up, Jake. Ah. But uh, yeah, we'll get it on all of our uh, our different outlets and uh, drive people that way. And once again, Chris, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I had a good time. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media. Click on the YouTube paid button to see some of our videos. Click on the merch button to buy some of that awesome sounding merch that we were selling you earlier. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on your co- on our contacts page. You got a problem with my commercial? No. <laughs> <laughs> Top shelf stuff. Yes. And don't forget on Facebook and Twitter, we are at Canned Air Pod. And on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. And if you really love what we do, Patreon. It is the best and most effective way to show us you like what we're doing and encourage us to keep doing it. So by all means, check it out throw a couple of bucks a month our way, hit that $5 mark, and become a founder. 
There it is. And What If is live, people. Whatifpod.com or find us on iTunes. Give a subscribe, leave a review if you want to support us that way. Or there's a uh, Patreon for that show as well. And we're proud of this show. It's we put really a lot good. of work into it, and we think it shows. I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I think, uh, again, the feedback I've been getting is yeah. uh, really good. And um, join us next week as for our Thanksgiving episode. Uh, Chris Thomas is going to be returning, and we're going to be dedicating the whole episode to Stan the Man Lee. Giving thanks for everything he deserves he's given. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, look forward to that uh, celebration of his life. And uh, for the second week now, we are going out on another Phosphines song called No Through Road. These guys are out of Melbourne, Australia. I'm stuck on these guys. Now. You like them? I do very yeah. much. They're really good. They're really good. I dig them. And uh, we're going out again on another one of their songs called No Through Road. So check them out. It's phosphines.com.au and on Twitter at phosphines underscore au. All things will have linked uh, on social media. Uh, I think that's going to do it. For I this think week. so. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Chris Thomas. Thanks for listening, everyone. Red lights come and go Holding back my fits of passion Driving down a no-through road Looking for a place to stay I've been feeling like I owe you The fruits of my conviction You're the apple of my eye From the skin down to the
can't find my dad. Hang on there, little Jimmy. Hey, it's Alpine. While you're waiting on your negligent parents to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on CandarePodcast.com? Shoot, it may even help him find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split. G.I. Joe! Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.